uh, I think uh, one of the things with the, I don't know if you guys, I think all of us probably because of coronavirus, we're probably at home more, right? Even if we work, uh, we're at home more, that kind of situation. And we're probably paying attention to the news more. And I think there's many things we pay attention to news, right? We've been listening about people getting sick, right? Uh, the rate and what the government and various things that's going on. Um, I thought some of the interesting things in the news this last week, uh, I thought it was interesting. One of it was um, gas price. Did you guys hear about that? The price of oil. Uh, I never thought the price of oil, like economically, when you look at it, there's a limited supply, right? You would think the cost of oil would always increase. But because there hasn't been as much traveling, uh, I think uh, a barrel of gallon, I think a barrel is about 50 gallon, uh, uh, is what? Less than a dollar. That's incredible. Right? I read one of the news saying that um, they're even running out of place for storage. And in my, my mind, I was actually thinking, boy, if I, if I could get a barrel myself, I wouldn't mind storing in my house, right? It's just for a while to be cheap because, you know, gas price will eventually go back up, right? Uh, the other interesting statistics that I was uh, noticing was also as well is in terms of Google search engine, um, the amount of people looking for the word prayer has dramatically increased, Okay. Um, the curve is incredible, okay? We talk about we want to flatten the curve, but that's one curve that we don't want flattened, right? That people actually go to the Lord God in prayer with things, okay? And also the sales of Bible have also dramatically increased at this time also as well in terms of the uh, various Bible publishers saying that, wow, this is a, an incredible time. Okay, so I thought today we're going to be looking, um, I know uh, we finished last week looking through the series on various parts of the Psalms. Uh, I thought, I was thinking about today whether or not to go through the Psalms or prayer, and I thought today would be good we look at the topic of prayer, okay? Uh, we're going to be looking today at the topic of prayer. And even as we begin, I want to ask you guys this question, is how's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? I hope at this time, um, our prayer life for others has increased, okay? Our love for others makes us pray would increase. But I want to ask this also as well is, how's your prayer life in terms of just main purpose is not just only getting what we want. I think a lot of times you could treat prayer as almost like a panic button. Like something bad happens in our life, boom, you hit that button and you take it to God in prayer, right? Or you treat God almost like a genie in the bottle. Uh, that's not to say we don't pray. I'm not saying we pr don't pray for others because we practice it too, right? Uh, but I also think it's also important to think about what we do, what we're doing when we pray is actually talking towards God, okay? Uh, so today would be a little bit of a light study, okay? Um, is looking about the topic of prayer. We're not going to look at only one passage. We're looking at different Bible verses in different areas, okay? So today, if you're taking notes, uh, we're going to see the three D's of prayer, okay? We want a 3D prayer, okay? Uh, three-dimensional prayer. So we're going to see today uh, the three Ds. So our three points is going to be alliterated with three Ds, okay? We're going to see the three Ds of prayer. So we would desire to pray to God today, okay? And this is a time that we could cultivate to pray um, with that. I think our church is a small church, um, but I love our church. One of the things that actually I feel looking at our church the last two years that God has worked the most is I actually think we have become much more um, you know, I pray for many things with our church, right? I pray that we would evangelize more, people would focus on God's Word more, there'll be growth um, in the terms of personal walk with God, right? And the number is like usually the last thing I pray for. Um, but I think the one area that I prayed for, shockingly, that I didn't really think God would answer, or I just prayed almost out of duty, was actually for our people to pray more. And I actually think the last few years, God has grown our church to be much more uh, men and women of prayer, corporately and individually, much more so than even different parts of our church history, okay? Um, so I do this, is not to guilt trip us, but actually to encourage us to grow more in prayer. Does that make sense? Is to grow more in prayer. So if you're taking notes, these are the three Ds or the three points. Um, so hopefully cultivate in our desire to pray more, okay? Number one is we're going to see the duty of prayer, okay? If you're taking notes, we're going to see the duty of prayer, that the Bible talks about the duty of prayer, that God wants us to pray, okay? The duty of prayer, okay? So that's point number one. And point number two, the second D, is the difficulties of prayer, okay? The difficulties of prayer. God's Word acknowledged that it is difficult to pray, okay? It is difficult to pray. But to balance all that, we also see a third D, which is the delight of prayer, 
okay? The delight of prayer, okay? So these are the three Ds that we're going to be looking at today so that we would have a hopefully more um, growing, a, a much more spiritual prayer life, okay? A 3D prayer, if you will, okay? So uh, let me repeat those three Ds again. We're going to see the duty of prayer. Point number one is duty of prayer. Second point is the difficulties of prayer. The difficulties of prayer. And thirdly is the delight of prayer. Okay? Is the delight of prayer. And even as we go through this, just think practically is how have you been praying? Uh, I, I think for most of us, we're probably praying more. But even hopefully going through the Word of God, it will refine us. Um, with this, I actually feel um, as a preacher, um, there's many things we could preach on, uh, but I think if there's one topic that preach on that everyone kind of feel like, oh man, I could improve on, is actually the topic of prayer. Okay, um, I actually feel like it's one of those things. The more I pray, the more I realize, wow, man, I, I I could pray more. How come I don't pray more? And sometimes we don't see that until you start praying, you realize, oh, it's not easy to pray. Um, but I also as well, I think that's also growing. Sometimes we grow, we see the need uh, to pray even more. Whereas before we rely on ourselves so much, we never even think about prayer. But as we grow more in God, as we love others more, as we do more difficult things for God, I think one of the areas that should grow us, we see the need for prayer. So don't feel just only bad that we should pray more. We should. But also be encouraged that perhaps God's also working in you. Okay? So in light of this, let's look at our first point, which is the first one is the duty of prayer. Okay? The duty of prayer. Okay? We're going to see for this part is that uh, God tells us we should pray. Okay? It is not just a suggestion, but this is actually a command. That for us as believers, this is something we should always do, okay? So I'm going to first go through the duties of prayer, but then as you go through that, you'll be convicted. I think God's Word also realized the difficulties of prayer, which is our second point. And then yet to balance all that, knowing it's a duty and also it's difficult, how do we pray? Is we should find delight in prayer, okay? So let's look at point number one, the duty of prayer, okay? We're going to see four verses that shows a duty of prayer. Uh, for the first verse, we're going to see to establish it is our duty. We must pray. Is Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Uh, when we turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verse 17. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Um, I'm wondering if anyone want to volunteer to be able to read that verse. Uh, unmute yourself for a moment and read that verse out loud. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. Okay, thank you so much, okay? Short and to the point, okay? This verse is short and to the point, okay? Um, if I know sometimes, uh, how many of you guys uh, have a hard time memorizing Bible verses? Anyone here? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you guys, uh, any of you guys here who raise your hand, you guys memorize more than like five verses? Oh, good. Oh, my daughter's raised her hand. Okay. Oh, we're doing something right. Okay. Um, okay. By Jennifer. Okay. Um, so uh, the uh, other part is also as well is um, even when we're looking at prayer, um, is also uh, any of you guys memorize a chapter in the Bible? Okay, chapter is really hard. I feel like you memorize it and then you forget. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying my sinful nature. Okay, uh, with that, but okay, good. Okay, so um, the other part also as well is in light of that is we see. I think if there's one Bible verse that I think that's easy to remember is First Thessalonians five seventeen, pray without ceasing. Okay, pray without ceasing. Let's pay attention a little bit more of this verb. The verb here is, is an, uh, the uh, verb pray is actually an imperative. That is, it is a command, okay? It is a command. It's, in other words, uh, it's telling us what to do, okay? In the Greek, there's actually different um, mood, what they call mood. Some verbs just tell you what statement of fact. Like, for instance, he is praying. It's just a statement of fact. Then there's some verb, the mood is actually a suggestion, which is usually what they call subjunctive. When you say, let us pray, we should pray, that kind of thing. But in the Greek here, it's very clear it is a imperative. So therefore, it is a command. Uh, and if it's a command, if we don't do it, therefore, we're actually, what, breaking God's command, which then actually is a sin, okay? So a life of prayerlessness is actually a sin. Now, I know we probably feel guilty with that, 
or, or realize, whoa, that's really severe or serious. But I think we must see this is what the Word of God says. Because in the Greek, the verb pray is a command. It's an imperative. And by the way, the tense of this verb is actually present tense. So it's showing that this should be something that is regular, that is habitual. Okay, That is something you constantly, regularly do in your life. Okay, Something you regularly do. And then the verse also as well. Uh, in the Greek, by the way, it's only two words. The verb uh, pray and the verb uh, ceaseless. Okay, The way I would translate is probably pray ceaselessly. Okay, um, To capture that single word. The word actually ceaselessly, the adjective, uh, correction, the adverb, is actually moved forward. Okay, Now, you know how English sentence, we usually have subject, verb, object. Uh, Greek is the same. But in the Greek here, when they back then they don't have highlighters. Okay, they didn't have they didn't make things bold. Okay, uh, they didn't capitalize things for emphasis. By the way, in Greek, in the first century when Jesus Christ was alive, they often wrote the letter. Everything is capitalized. Okay, everything is capitalized. Um, so the way to put emphasis, you can't you don't put it in bold. You don't put it in italics or different font. The way you do that is you move the word forward before. Uh, the typical order, so that you see, oh, it is for emphasis, okay? So when it says here, prayer without ceasing, it's literally ceasing, hey, pray, okay? So what is that trying to do is emphasizing we should pray constantly in our life, okay? We should constantly make a regular habit of what? Of prayer, okay? So therefore, we see the duty of prayer is established with 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Let's also look at another verse. There's a second verse related to the duty of prayer. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Okay? Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Okay? Um, could I have Air Call be a volunteer to read that verse out loud? Romans 12, 12. That's okay. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Eric, for reading that. This verse have various things that are given. That's actually what they call participles that describe the characteristics of a Christian life. One of the characteristics, number one in this verse, is we rejoice it with hope, right? We should be people that's hopeful and we rejoice, okay? Second characteristics, we persevere in tribulation. That in tough time, we continue to go marching forward, so to speak, okay? And the third characteristic is we are to be devoted in prayer, okay? The verb devoted here is actually an imperative. Uh, again, telling this is a command. And again, it's present tense, showing this is something that's ongoing. It should be habitual, something you're regularly doing. So what are we to be devoted to? Actually, it is to prayer, okay? It is to prayer, uh, so we see um, uh, this here very clearly, okay, uh, with this. Let's also look with me in Colossians 4.2. Um, a lot of the same characteristics described here, but I want to see here is repeating is for purpose of emphasis, okay, uh, in the Word of God. Colossians 4.2 says, Devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, okay? Uh, again, the verb devote appears here, and this is something we should what? Um, be doing regularly, okay? And the matter that we do this is also says, the word keeping is a participle, is, uh, is explaining more the way and the manner we do this is what? We need to be alert. That is, I think, is the imagery of a soldier. He was always looking for something to pray for and problems to take it up in prayer. And yet also, you're not just uh, alert and therefore gloomy, a doom and gloom attitude. It says with an attitude of what? Thanksgiving also as well, okay? So again, this shows a command. Okay, this verb is a command. Uh, let's also turn with me to Ephesians 6.18. Uh, let's turn with me to Ephesians 6.18. Uh, for Ephesians 6.18, Derek, could you, uh, if it's possible, Derek, if you'd be able to read that out loud. Uh, Ephesians uh, 6.18. Uh, Ephesians 6.18. Pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view. Be mm -hmm. on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. 
Okay, thank you so much for reading that verse. Okay, uh, notice here this verb shows that it actually uses the word prayer or pray more than once. Okay, actually, there's more than one word for prayer. Petition is another way we pray. Petition is a kind of prayer we what go to God. That's our prayer request, right? And it talks about the first part with all prayer, and then it also says pray at all times. Uh, the pray at all times um, is mentioned here. And how, what's the manner we pray? Again, it's kind of like Colossians 4.2. We are to be alert. Notice the manner, right? And what do we pray for? Is it only for ourselves? This verse actually says we also pray for what? The last part, for all the saints, okay? So you see the repetition of the word petition, the uh, different uh, same root word of the word prayer here, okay? Uh, twice. And I think all of this, in just this verse, uh, four different terms for prayer as a verb as, as a noun, appears, which shows this is definitely a characteristic of a Christian, okay? Part of a characteristic of a Christian life is that we are men and women and boys and girls who what? Who pray, okay? Who pray, okay? So uh, as application, now I'm talking about the application of our first point. We see the duty of prayer. I think we go to the application question is, how's your prayer life, okay? In all honesty, uh, going, if you were to talk to someone that's close to you, that's another believer, uh, how would you describe your prayer life? How would you describe your prayer life, right? Is it pretty good? Okay. I mean, is it something, I don't think any of us would say, oh, we have the most excellent prayer life. Um, but at the same time, is there is there a pulse, a spiritual pulse that you have that you go to God in prayer, okay? Second question is, do you pray regularly, okay? Uh, do you pray regularly? I know some people could say, and I've, even as a pastor, asked this question, how's your prayer life? Oh, wonderful. But do you pray regularly? Oh, no, I don't pray regularly, but I have a wonderful prayer life, right? But also ask the question of how often, how frequent do you pray? As really a gauge of seeing, are you fulfilling the duty? As we saw earlier, there's a lot of imperative. There's a lot of adverb that's describing, preciously, uh, always, that kind of thing, okay? And, and the verb tense is, is present tense, which is not talking about right now, but in the Greek, it's functioning to say as a habit, as a regular, as a constant thing, as a, something you do um, more than once, okay? And also, third question as application is, do you see it as a duty to pray? Sometimes we think it could be a suggestion, but do you see it as actually something that God requires of us, okay? Now, I know we are saved by grace, but after we're saved by grace, do you appreciate His grace so much to say, hey, if you want me to pray to you and talk to you, I see this and I will do this, okay? Uh, so do you see it's not just a suggestion, but a command, and also as a characteristic of a Christian life? And therefore, it should be the characteristics of our life, okay? Everyone, you guys can hear me still okay? Audio? Just do a quick audio check? Okay, good. All right. So in light of the first point, uh, let's go to the second point, okay? So we see the duty of prayer. Now, the second point is we're going to see is the difficulty of prayer, okay? Uh, raise your hand if you believe in your own life praying is difficult, okay? I'm going to be the first one to raise my hand, okay? There's no shame of admitting this, okay? Praying is difficult. Okay, and I think God's word acknowledges that praying is not easy. Okay, God's word acknowledged that for us, and I think that finds comfort for me. Okay, in trying to cultivate our prayer life, I also am encouraged to realize scripture actually paints a portrait where even others have a hard time praying. Okay, turn with me real quick to Luke chapter 22, verses 39 to 46. Luke 22, verses 39 to 46. It's kind of long. Yeah, we're going to look at seven verses, but I think it's actually very appropriate to look at these seven verses to see how it establishes the difficulty of prayer is something that Scripture and God acknowledges and even records also as well. And I think that should also move us to realize, hey, God knows it's not easy, but still, in, when He commands us, He's not as if He's ignorant. He knows all things. And in recording this, we see hey, also other believers also have difficulty with this, okay? Turn with me, like I said earlier, to Luke 22, verses 39 to 46, okay? Luke 22, verses 39 to 30, uh, 46, okay? Luke 22, verses 39 to 46. And he, that is Jesus, came out and proceeded as he was, as was his custom, to Mount of olives, and the disciples also followed him. When he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. 
and verse 41, And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Verse 43, Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood, falling down upon the ground. When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow, and said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray, that you may not enter into temptation. Okay? Uh, Reading this passage, I know Easter and Good Friday is just... Um, not too long ago for us, right? This is the last night of Christ's life. He's just had the Last Supper or the Passover dinner he had with his disciples. And I like how it says in verses 39 that it was his custom to go to Mount Olives, okay? To do what? To pray. So Jesus was really a man of what? Constant prayer, okay? That was his habit. Because verses 39 establishes that, you know, it's not unusual for him. To go to Mount of Olives with his disciples to pray, okay? It was not unusual for him to go with his disciples to what? Pray to God, okay? And if you look at this, I think it's also unfortunate. I mean, if you think about the dinner before, what he was telling his disciples, he's saying, hey, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be betrayed. People are going to go against me. All these bad things will happen. And the whole time, it's almost as if uh, there's a blind spot with his disciples. I think the disciples were so focused on Jesus Christ as the Messiah. We arrive in Jerusalem. That they, everything from this point on, like the worst part of their ministry is over. And everything from here on out is going to be the triumphant Messiah. Basically getting rid of the Roman Empire and ushering the Messianic Millennial Age. Okay, But that was not what God's doing. In fact, Jesus was trying to say to them again and again, No, my purpose is to die. My first coming is to save sinners from the fate of hell by dying on the cross. And they did not hear that. They constantly did not hear that. Now, Christ's second coming is going to fulfill their messianic expectation of the messianic kingdom being ushered in and all empires bowing down to the Messiah. But here when he was praying, notice how they were praying, right? He's telling them, hey, pray. You know what? You're going to be facing temptation. And then while they're praying, what do they do? Jesus removes from them. uh, 41 goes a stone throw away a little further. No doubt he prayed. You see his prayer in verses 42. And notice this passage record no words of his disciples' prayer. Because why? They were asleep, okay? Um, So when he rose from prayer, it turns out, hey, they, they weren't arising because they were asleep, okay? I mean, look at the... Intensity of Jesus' prayer request, beginning with what He says in verse 42. Even in angels, the supernatural realm, the angels coming minister to Him because none of His disciples are praying to minister to Him. Verses 44, right? He's praying. Look at the physical intensity, right? It's described fervently and sweats like drops of blood were falling on the ground, okay? The suffering of Christ didn't begin on the cross. It began way before with the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Okay? While he prayed for his believers and prayed for God's strength and for God's will to be done. And then he even asked them and confront them in verse 46. Why are you uh, sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not enter temptation. Another gospel record that he asked them more than once, right? And then the final moment say, no longer time to pray, get up. Now is the time of everything that's supposed to happen is at hand, right? So we see here um, the challenges of prayer. What do we see? We see sometimes the effect of being tired, okay, as a reason, yes, of why we don't pray. That's one of the reasons why we don't pray. I also think just glimpsing from this passage in the context of Luke 22, the last night of Christ, we also see another difficulty of why we don't pray sometimes. We don't understand what God is doing, okay? And what I mean by that, we don't understand what God's doing. Sometimes we, God is very clear, just like Jesus Christ says, what is going on? He's interpreting very clear what's going on, what is God's purpose, what is your purpose in life. But we still don't pray because we don't internalize what God's Word says of what the situation in our world is and what is our mission also as well. Okay, What is our mission uh, with that? So sometimes the reason we don't pray is we lose focus of what's God's purpose for you and I. And also we don't see things biblical lens. Of the world and saying this is what God's purpose is. Even with the coronavirus, I think it's a great opportunity to minister, right? To even invite others to say, hey, I know you haven't been going to church. You might say it's difficult. 
all these situations, it might be true, but here's an opportunity we could redeem by actually what inviting people to go online uh, to pray with prayer meeting or even also as well service, whatever church you guys are at, okay, with that. So we see this, okay, um, we see the difficulties of prayer. Like, let me re-emphasize again. Uh, tiredness is sometimes one of the difficulties. Second reason is we don't see the need for prayer, right? Jesus tells them, hey, you're going to be facing temptation. And I don't think they're at a point of denial. We say, oh, temptation? Oh, okay. Yeah, we always pray for the only temptation. We know Jesus taught us to, you know, help God help us to avoid temptation. But we do so much repetitiously. Ah, why, why do this in the middle of the night? We don't see the situation uh, warrants prayer, nor do we see that is God's purpose for why we need to pray, okay? Uh, by the way, this, this describes the disciples. This describes our life, yes? Uh, why we don't pray, okay? Another reason why we don't pray, I think, is also distraction. Turn with me to First Tes- uh, First Peter chapter 4, verse 7, okay? First Peter chapter 4, verse 7. Ben Wartz, thank you. Uh, it's a joy to see you. Join us for prayer, okay? Uh, 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 Bible study, okay? First Peter chapter 4, verse 7. First Peter chapter 4, verses 7. Uh, Hui, would you be able to read that for us so I could catch my breath? Sorry, can you say that again? Uh, what's the... Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. Peter... 4, 7? Yes. Um, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Yeah, look, uh, looking at this verse, this is really you know a command that we should pray, right? Um, but notice the purpose of prayer. Uh, for the purpose of prayer, we're to do two things. There's really two prerequisites that mention here. It says what? Number one, be of sober judgment, and also uh, a sound judgment. I mean, and also sober spirit. That is, we must think things accurately, uh, understanding the way of the world, and, and and judge it according to God's word. Okay. And also be sober-minded, that we have an attitude of taking things seriously in a spiritual manner, okay? Uh, but when we are not sober-minded and we're not sound of judgment, is, is often we have a hard time praying. And I think the number one way we are not sober-minded and sound of judgment is because we have distractions in our life, true or not, is because we have distractions in our life. And distraction looks... Uh, uh, it looks like different things in different ways, okay? By the way, there's countless examples we could give of how we could be what distracted. And some of those distractions, by the way, might not necessarily in of itself be sin. Might not in of itself be sin. But then it consumes us more than God or the things of God. And therefore, I think it becomes sinful. Not because the thing itself is sin, but our sinful hearts put the value of it greater than God. And greater than Christ, greater than the spiritual things, and greater than our duties, Christian duties, including the duty of what? Prayer, okay? The duty of prayer. So why is it difficult? Is because I think we often face what? Um, distraction. And anything that distracts us from uh, our focus on God becomes sinful. Not the thing itself is sinful, but our sinful heart and how we use that thing or seek those things. Does that make sense? Okay. So we, why we find difficulty is because we, what, have distractions, okay? But I think the ultimate reason why praying is difficult is because the effect of having a sinful nature, okay? is because we're sinful is ultimately why it's difficult to pray. Turn with me to Romans 3.10-11. Romans 3.10-11. Romans 3.10-11. Um, if I could have uh, Ben Wartz, would you be able to pr- uh, unmute yourself and just read that verse out loud for us? Romans three ten to eleven. Romans three ten to eleven. Okay. Uh-huh. Sure. All right. So, but, uh, as it is written, there is no righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands there is no one who sees God. Okay, thank you so much, Ben. Okay. So looking at this verse here, right? Um, this is Paul's conclusion of looking at Jews and Gentiles. They were all very similar. What is the thing that's similar? We're all sinful. 
But to back that up, Paul then quotes from the Old Testament, okay? From various Psalms which say, hey, the word of God from Psalm 14, Psalm 51, makes it very clear about human nature is sinful. After the fall, after Adam and Eve ate of the fruit and their rebellion, we are all sinful. And notice how sinful are we? Verses 11, it says, no one seeks God. Okay, I, I you might say, oh, wait, wait, I do seek God. That's I think God working in you. But left to ourselves, without God working in our heart, no one desire to seek God on our own. Okay, and even as believers, we struggle sometimes to seek God. And when we seek God, prayer really is seeking God's face. Yes, when we pray to God, we're communicating with God. We're seeking Him. And those times when we don't is because we don't seek Him. And all, and then verse ten explains that is because everyone's a sinner. It says, no one is righteous, not even one, okay? Not even uno, okay? No one in ourselves is righteous, uh, apart from God's help and grace. And all, the ultimate reason why prayer is so hard is because of our sinfulness, okay? Think about Adam and Eve. Adam used to, in Genesis 3, describes that God used to walk in the cool of the day with Eve, okay? Uh, and also as well with God. But the reason why we're separated from God and we don't, is because what when we're sinful, we discover our guilt and we try to hide, okay? Uh, with that. So one of the reasons why it's difficult to pray is also uh, sin, okay? Just point blank is what the Word of God says. By the way, when I say this, I'm also saying, why do I struggle with prayer? Because I'm not above the cut of anyone else. It's, it's also because of my sinfulness, okay? It is also my sinfulness, okay? So as application question, um, uh, with this second point about the difficulty of prayer, I think we asked ourselves, which of these uh, things that we've looked at hinder you from prayer? Remember what I mentioned earlier, right? Being tired, number one. Not understanding the situation, right? Why we need to pray is another one. Distractions, number three. And sin. Uh, which one of these things describe why you don't pray? And I think also some of these things are interconnected also as well, right? For instance, if you're in um, a season of sin, it might be very hard to pray because it feels like, oh man, I'm so convicted. I'll be, it's uneasy, right? Um, and sometimes when we're sinful, we are distracted. Uh, we're not looking at God, we're looking at everything else. So we're distracted, right? So some of these things are interconnected also as well, okay? Um, and sometimes we're tired. It could easily be we're not in the best of mood, right? We're grouchy, in an easier mood of what? Um, easy to fall into the temptation of sin, that kind of thing. So I think you ask the question, what hinders you? Okay, And this is why I think those that usually have a good prayer life, I think is often what they're mourning people that pray. Uh, right? Um, oh man, I, I didn't write this verse down. But in Isaiah, it actually talks about even going to the mor- in the morning to the Lord in prayer. So that's the best way to begin your day. It's not necessarily with your smartphone right away. Just go to God in prayer first. Right? A short prayer. And then going to God uh, with your responsibility, okay? Um, some of these things, uh, like I said, it might be interconnected. So think about the things that you struggle in. I think, by the way, I actually do believe a big part of Christian life, um, I think a big part of Christian life is always what? Realizing what? We could always do things better. You guys realize that? You guys realize a big part of Christian life is always doing things better. I was actually reminded again, uh, you know, this Tuesday, um, I was teaching. I think I shared with you guys. To the seminary, okay? Um, now, these pastors I've trained, they're actually the world's best that I've ever... I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's other people. They're the best students I've ever had. Um, they're better... I actually think they're better than the average master seminary student, okay? Because there's not a lot of young people. They're older seasoned pastors, okay? And I think when you're persecuted, you know, these guys are not going to seminary just, oh, I wonder if it might be a career path, you know? These guys are, what? They're counting the costs already, okay? They're some of the best students I've ever had. People that ask when I teach something, they ask me, could you walk through the Greek and Hebrew? I was like, whoa, okay. Okay, so everything I prepare. And, you know, I'm teaching on a subject I've taught before multiple times. And even then, they're also telling me, like, oh, okay, what about, there's one more thing you didn't point out, the result of fall of sin. I said, like, oh, yeah. I say, that's good. Uh, you point out, now my lesson could be more improved, okay? So I think in the Christian life, there's no place for pride, right? Even in marriage, also as well with my wife. Uh, it's something regularly asking my wife, man, my wife's a witness, right? Asking, hey, what are some things I could do better, okay? Same thing with prayer life, too. We must always ask ourselves, what are the things we could always be advancing? And this is why I think God gives grace. This is why I feel Christian life is so helpful. I have the courage to be able to face my sin and to improve because what? God always gives me grace. It's not going to be easy. But God always gives me grace and say, hey, you know what? 
Um, I could be honest with my sins. I could be honest with my faults. But also knowing God's grace to give me what? Room to improve, okay? Room to improve uh, and to grow, okay? So, have you seen these trials um, in your trials? Maybe God in trials also allows you to actually pray more. The reality is this. When things are well, it could be so easy we take credits for ourselves, right? True or not? We're like, okay, you know what? I mean, think about it for a moment, right? I think sometimes in our sinful nature, right? We take so much credit, okay? You know, sometimes I feel kind of like blushing, right? When I do like the ordination meeting, right? Um, and what do you call it? The licensing for the denomination. I feel it's almost like a, a job interview, even though I'm already do. You know, they sit down, they ask what school you graduated. Say, like, oh, UCLA. Say, like, oh, yeah. You know, what seminary, what degree? Oh, uh, master seminary. What's your GPA? Right, uh, 3.99. And then you say, oh, MDFTHM. But the reality is, you know, we could be so much ourselves, but the reality is what? Uh, the reality is that in my own nature is what? I transferred. UCLA, right? I was not in, out of high school. I got a 2.4 GPA. I got kicked out of high school. And I'm just an t- untimely guy grafted in, okay? Um, you seminary, it's by the grace of God, right? That I am saved, okay? That I had a pastor that poured into me, okay? That, that kicked my butt and said, you better work hard in seminary and do all these things, okay? And if there was no one there, that's a reality. So I think we need to be honest with ourselves by the grace of God sometimes. The trials God brings us in to make us pray, Okay, so it's only then do you see that when we pray, it's no pride. Why we if we pray well or pray constantly, it's not a pride. It's actually because we need Him. Okay, my brothers and sisters. So see the trials in our life. It was what makes us go to God and say, Lord God, I'm gonna be depending on You, and not depending on myself, not my resume, but depending on You, O God, for Your grace. Okay, so let us now go to the third D. Okay, with the difficulties of prayer. Um, so we know, uh, let me review thus far, we see, we, we see the duty of prayer as point number one. We saw clearly we have to pray. God is so gracious, He acknowledged that there will be difficulties in prayer. Okay, But now how do we pray when we know we should pray, and yet we know it's difficult to pray? And I think is the third D is so important. We should find the delight of prayer. Okay, We should grow to desire to love the time we pray with God. Listen, say this after me. You guys can still be on mute, but say this after me. Say it is a duty to pray. But it's also a privilege to pray. Okay? Duty and privilege, right, is not mutually exclusive, okay? Uh, For instance, just like marriage, right? Husband and wife have a duty to be close. But it's also a privilege also to be close, Okay? We'll keep it rated G for godliness, right? So we, it's, we see it's a duty and also what a privilege also as well. Same thing. And our relationship with God is the same way. To be intimate, to be close with God is to be what? It's a duty and also as well, it's a privilege, okay? So therefore, our third point is there's the delight of prayer. There is a delight of prayer. Turn with me real quick to Psalm 119, verse 132. Psalm 119 is a chapter... The verse is 132, okay? The verse is 132, okay? Uh, 132. Um, could I ask Christopher, would it be possible you read 100, uh, verse 132 out loud for us? Um, Turn to me and be gracious to me after your manner with those who love your name. Okay, thank you so much, okay? This psalmist here, when he's writing this, he's saying, A, He's asking God, turn to me and be gracious to me. You know, when you really think about the first line, he's actually praying to God because he's talking to God directly. He's not telling us, oh, this is what God's word is. At this moment, he's praying. Why is he praying? Is because, notice it goes on, um, is because he loves who? God's name. In other words, the reason why this man prays to God is because he loves God, okay? It's because he loves God. If I could give a human analogy, okay, just a human analogy. When people, when a man, when a guy is interested in a girl, like he wants to be courting that person, he wants to marry her. Um, I'll give an example of the old pastor before us, okay? The old pastor before me, uh, his name was Andrew. One of the things he also said, like, hey, when you're courting in your season of dating, also be careful of not talking so late at night. You know, he said that because, you know, like sometimes late at night, it's easy to sin, you know, misunderstanding or, or sometimes even you're saying things intimate you shouldn't be. All that kind of thing. 
So when he shared that, I remember one time in couples meeting, I finally asked, hey, uh, how long did you talk to your wife on the phone when you guys were recording? He said, oh, we talked very long, right? And he talked about, and then Cindy was there, and Cindy kind of blushed. He's like, oh, I talk, we talked until 4 in the morning. So this guy was going to seminary, talking to his wife 4 in the morning. Should have been studying, but was not studying Greek and Hebrew. He was talking to his wife 4 in the morning to wake up at 7 to go over there. And he's telling us all this. But, all this, but he was honest, right? He's saying, and I love that, because why? There's an example, when you love somebody, yes, you want to talk to them. You have strength to talk to them. True or not, okay? You could be like, oh, you know, I have homework. You could have homework, you know? It's like if your mom and dad say, hey, do the dishes. Like, oh, I'm not going to do doing the dishes because I have so much homework. But as soon as that person calls it, oh, I love to talk to my friend or I like to talk to the girl or, or guy. Suddenly, well, you could talk till what? Till four in the morning, okay? Wake up at six and then go to work or go to school. That's because what we love that person. And therefore, we delight to talk and enjoy them. Same thing also as well. When we know how God is gracious to us. I love how this says, after your manner, with those who love your name. Right? The manner God loves us, we, we want to love Him back. And therefore, that should move us to say, hey, I want to seek you more. Okay? And some of us, this is why I read God's Word, okay? The reason why I read God's Word is because the Bible here has many things, okay? Um, this month, I've been a Christian for 20, uh, 21 years, okay? I've been a Christian for 21 years. And I feel like the more I read the Bible, it's never gotten old. It's the only book I feel like I read that never gets old, okay? Um, if you guys know me, you know my favorite fiction is a book called Great Gatsby. I read that in high school. I hated it. Then in college, I had to read it again. I said, hey, I kind of see a little bit more. Like, okay, wow, it shows really the purpose to show the materialism of our world is meaningless. Especially in the 1920s, the roaring 20s. Then I read it again, right? And then I listened to an audiobook. But each time I listened to it, okay, it's great experience. But it wasn't as if there was like really deep things, like profound things I never saw, like so revolutionized, okay? But I feel the Word of God, even a book, any passage is like, wow, the more I look into it, the more it actually, wow, I didn't see this because I didn't see the whole connection, the depths of it, okay? Listen, the reason why I read God's Word, I actually think the more you read God's Word, the more you pray. Because our relationship with God is not one way, right? If I just only go to my wife and I tell my wife, please don't talk to me, or she texts me, and I don't, every time she texts me, I ignored it, right? And I only talk to her one way. When you think about it, it becomes what? A monologue, true or not, right? Uh, it becomes, if I think I love her, it's I, I love according to what I think, what I imagine she is, right? But I bring us to say that we listen to God's Word, right? We listen to His text, so to speak, right? We see God's Word, we see who He is, and that moves me to pray more to Him. Say, oh man, God, I love you. So even in your prayer life, when was the last time you just told God, hey, I love you, right? Yeah, I just love you for who you are, right? If all, all I ever do to my wife is just say, hey, thank you for cooking for me. Thank you for washing my clothes. Thank you for taking care of my kids, being the mother of my kids. But I never say, hey, I love you just for who you are. Hey, there's something wrong. Uh, I mean, we should. We should, we should say all those things. Same thing, we should also delight with God. And how do you delight in God? How do we know what He's like? Read God's Word. When He says He's gracious and compassionate. When it tells us of how Christ saved us, we say, wow, I love you, God. And therefore, that moves me to what? To pray to Him. Okay? Listen. We must delight in prayer by delighting in God Himself, you know? You know, one of the things that moved me to pray is also I realized, man, God also, within God, the Godhead, there's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? There's that mystery. There's one God, three, right? But you guys realize the Father, um, you guys realize Jesus and the Father talks to one another, true or not? And also the Holy Spirit also as well talk also as well, okay, to God the Father. And when He talks to, when the Holy Spirit prays to God, you realize the Bible says the Holy Spirit prays to God, and also Jesus prays to God. So one of the reasons why I delight to pray is also the fact that God helps us with prayer. Turn with me real quick. That is God the Holy Spirit. Okay, turn with me to Romans 8, 26 to 27. Okay, turn with me to Romans 8, 26 to 27. Okay, Romans 8, 26 to 27. Romans eight twenty six to 27. Okay, when we turn there, I love this verse. Sometimes, uh, you know, I think like, what, what does God the Father has to say with God the Holy Spirit? What does God the Holy Spirit has to talk about to God the Father? Well, you get a little insight from this, these two verses. Romans eight twenty six to 27 says this. 
In the same way, the Spirit also helps us, helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. And He searches our heart, uh, and He who searches our heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He intercedes for the Spirit according to the will of God. You know what I love about this verse? Is this verse gives us so much hope. Remember how we said that there's a difficulty of prayer? This verse acknowledges. It says, we don't know how to pray. I look back in my life, the, the, the times that was the hardest, I actually sometimes don't know even what to pray. Okay? Uh, I don't even know what to pray. Or how, how do I go? You know, just in the end, like, oh, your will be done. I don't know what your will is. I don't even know what's the right thing to do in this situation. There's so many th- hard things to balance, right? So many factors. But you know what I love about this? When it's difficult to pray, who prays for us in verse 26? The Spirit talks to God the Father. Okay? The Spirit actually is a model for us. The Spirit can do whatever He wants. He's God Himself. He knows all things with the Father's, but He talks to Him. Because prayer is mainly about a relationship. Listen, prayer is mainly about a relationship. Because if the Holy Spirit, He could do whatever He wants. He has a power and He would not sin because He knows what God the Father wants. But yet when He does this, it shows that the main point of prayer is not because whether or not you need Him. right? Even the things, if you go to your life sometimes, we can say, oh, I already know, I already got this guy. Why should I pray? Is the purpose of prayer is actually communion. It's having a relationship with uh, God. Okay, So same way in verses 26, He prays for us in our weakness. When we don't know how to pray, it says that the Holy Spirit intercedes with groanings too deep for words. Okay? Verse 27, He searches us and intercedes. Okay, Notice this says twice, intercede. Uh, intercede means you're helping somebody. You're going on behalf of somebody to make a request. And I actually think this is probably what it is. When we pray to God, the Spirit hears our prayer. And so there's sometimes we don't pray rightly. Okay, We don't pray rightly. I remember in the Marines, when I was in the Marines, I was helping this one guy. He was going through a trial praying. And the guy was, you know, uh, you know they always say cussing like a sailor. Um, but I think Marines cuss more than sailors. That's just me, right? So this guy was saying bad words like Marines. But then I think this guy was so used to it. In the middle of praying, like, you know, he's in tears, very generally sincere. And he's praying. And then he's, like, dropping, like, bad words. And I was like, you know, you pray with closed eyes, but one eye open. I was thinking, dude, is this guy clowning me or is he for real, right? So I'm pretty sure the Holy Spirit at that moment was editing things, okay? Helping us pray the way we should, okay? That, so that doesn't mean, therefore, okay, he's going to help us, we can do whatever we want. But at the same time, we see the graciousness of God working in us, okay? So we find the delight that in the midst of this, even we have fellowship with even the Holy Spirit also as well. So we should find the delight of prayer, okay? The delight of prayer is what makes me do this. You know, practically, as application now, um, the purpose of prayer, again, is to have a relationship with God. That's why Christ died on the cross. It's not just so we could get a ticket to go to heaven. Yeah, He saves us from hell, but ultimately is to have a relationship with God. And that's something you and I could have right now, okay? Oh, my daughters are distracted earlier. They're asking what is... The word cussing, is that what you guys saying? Okay, it's just bad words. Okay, we, you know, <laughs> sometimes the Christian life of homeschooling. Okay, but anyways, we're going back on with that, okay? Uh, so the other thing I think also as well is uh, practically how do we cultivate the light of prayer? You know, every week we send out prayer requests. You guys realize this? Uh, that's uh, When I look back at our church, we write things down. Every year I try to, at the end of the year, I try to write things down. How did our church pray? You know, when we do agenda meetings, you know how we have servant meetings every end of the month? Um, those agendas. I love those things because I look through that sometimes at the end of the year. You know how at the end of the year we kind of look back ready for New Year's resolution? Um, I, I'm not always good with New Year's resolution with the church, but I, one thing I love to do is I like to look through, and I think I told Eric this before, I like to look through those things because I like to see how did God change the church. Okay? How did God change? Because you know, church change is slow. Any institution, any institution is very slow to bring about change, you know. Now people get upset with Trump, why didn't do this or that, you know. Like, I, I get it. Sometimes there's things to improve, but sometimes I think we, we're so critical, right? <laughs> we're so critical, okay? But sometimes I think we need a slower pace and stop and say, how did God change things? You know what we could do to, I think the number one way to cultivate the delight of prayer is look through our church. You guys realize every week I have Victor... I have Jin or Ben Chung or Eric write things prayer requests, right? I ask for prayer scribes. You guys have all those emails. You know, sometimes we have that. We become like, we just have it all there. And you're like, ah, oh, ma fana. Ah, oh, I got to delete it. Why does Jimmy send out the prayer? Don't be like stressed out. Like, oh, this, like, I don't want prayer requests. It's just junk mail. I'm just going to delete. You know what those things are good for? 
Look at those things. Have them in your email, okay? So that once in a while, go back after a whole year. Go back a whole year and you'll see. Okay, look at your prayer requests. Did God answer your prayer requests? And I would say the answer is yes, okay? I remember back in the day in our church when I first went to TCAC, they used to print it out. Now, our church has gone green. We don't, we don't print it out anymore, right? Prayer requests and people just throw it away. But I remember at home, I used to collect all of them. And then my parents would say, you have all these prayer in your desk. You need to clean it out. And I was cleaning it out. But while I was cleaning it out, I was like, whoa, 2001 prayer requests. I'm looking at it, Jimmy Lee praying for be able to transfer someone. So, oh, whoa. Okay, you know, Jimmy Lee praying for whatever else, joined, wanting to join Marines. I said, whoa, I see God answering. And all, by the way, I look back, those prayer when God answers no, I see, oh, that's why, God, you answered no. You were still working even when you say no. Listen, then it makes me delight. Wow, when we pray to God, He does work even when He says no. And you don't see that until sometimes you see all of this, okay? So in the same way, save those things so you can cultivate like, whoa, God has answered prayer. Listen, keep a prayer journal so that it will cultivate in your own heart. As you look back, God has been working all along, even in moments you don't know why. You look back at those prayer requests, okay? So the prayer requests, those are really good um, training wheels that help us to say to, to cultivate in our hearts, okay? To, to stow in our heart, to warm our hearts with affection for God and affection to pray to God. So listen, delight with prayer by looking back uh, within the last year, the last months, and even for years. How has God answered your prayer requests? In fact, I encourage you today, go to your prayer uh, uh, if you're, I, don't, I think, well, my wife says I'm really messy with my prayer because my wife helps me. Can I say this? Uh, she helps clean out my e- email box. I don't know if you guys have this. I have like, when I go to my email, there's like 10,000 new emails that I never open. My wife's like, what? And my wife is really organized. Man, God bless her. Her email, if you go to her email, everything is clear, everything is read. If things are important, have all been read. My prayer requests, my email box, I, I'm ashamed to say this. There's 10,000 e- emails that's not open, okay? So my wife goes through them, cl- cl- cleans it up for me, right? She keeps it organized and all that stuff, okay? So all that is to say, go through the email. Go to the last prayer request, okay? Or, or the last email, what I do. And sometimes go backwards. Like, oh, all these important emails. I thought it was important to say, but I can't find it anymore, okay? But when you look back, okay? Then you see, whoa, God has been answering prayer requests, okay? God has been answering prayer requests all along. One year I did that, It uh, this was like 10 years ago. I did that, I was like, oh, my last email that I had was actually the one when I was in Iraq, when you could only email once in a while. And I just flipped a vehicle, and I was praying, Lord God, help my back, that this would not be a permanent disability thing, because that w- was my worst back pain. And I was looking back, and like, now it's like, whatever, it's a cool story, right? But I just realized, no, God answered prayer requests. Listen, we need to look through these things long term and see how God has answered our prayer requests, okay? God has answered our prayer requests, okay? By the way, sometimes you look through your old journals. You'll be embarrassed. You'll be shameful. You pray, Lord God, I want to marry this person. I want to whatever. And you're like, and you look back and say, oh, man, Lord God, I am so thankful I married Nancy Ruth Burton instead of fill in the blank, censor, whatever else it is, okay? Because by the prayer and the grace of God, okay? I am so thankful. I look back and say, man, I did not mail no, no jailbird or whatever else, okay? True story. But anyway, that's another story another time, okay? So... I'm, I'm blushing now, okay? So all that is to say, pray by the grace of God, okay? God answers your prayer. Sometimes you don't know why until you look back and say, whoa, God's way is best. God answered. When we say, let your will be done, I'm glad Nancy Ruth Lee is my pastor's wife, okay? I think better for the church and also for my own life, okay? Amen? Okay, my wife says amen. Okay, I don't know if you heard that. Okay, she says amen out loud, okay? So we need to delight, cultivate the delight of prayer, okay?